Shut up and sit down. Oh, I need your advice. Yeah. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. How fast can you ride your bike? He asked that Sunday night With a wild look in his eye So I follow close behind How fast do fast cars drive? That's what I reply I don't stop at traffic lights Yeah, that's how fast I ride You tuned in for another Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Good job. Here is a little quote about teamwork from some guy named Michael Jordan. Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence win championships. If you haven't already done so, go find yourself a team. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and today I'm here with Evan Price. What's everybody drinking today? Uh, LaCroix, coffee, polar. Yeah, I've got some San Pellegrino. Our guest Go by far Italian. has the best seltzer water here. That's the that's the fine <laughs> wine of seltzer waters. Good job. Yes. And joining us in studio today is Whitney Phillips. Hey, thanks for having me again. It was tight to fit this in my schedule now that I've been on here once. It's my my schedule's gotten wild. <laughs> It's That's, like a podcast a year. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Matt Legrand, Mr. What's Up, ladies and gentlemen Matt. of the internet, <laughs> is currently driving back from uh, the Sun River Bend, Oregon area. And um, I guess he thought it was prudent not to uh, call in on Skype with uh, all three of his kids in the car. <laughs> you think that that would just be easy. I mean, the kids are probably all asleep now, right? That could have been comedy gold. Oh, it would have been great. We could have put the kids on the phone and asked them questions the about their grand dad. car? Yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. We just need to have his kids on and just leave Matt at home one yeah. day. Oh, uh, so cool. Matt, your chair is taken. I'm keeping it warm. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, Mr. Lance, the romance man. Mm-hmm is sitting somewhere in a field in Idaho. We tried getting him on, but uh, his Skype connection was just awful. So, And I think the last we heard of him, he might have gotten attacked by a bear or something. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the Carmen San Diego of this podcast. Yeah. Like I never know where in the world he is. I just assume Idaho yeah. now. Like Originally, he was going to be here. And yeah. all of a sudden, he felt like just going down to Baker City to watch uh, a, a little race with a bunch of our teammates in it this past weekend. And then he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to... Boise, yeah. Boise, Idaho, and I'm going to go up there and do some riding. He just, just said he was heading east. Go That's, east, young man. Yeah, yeah. Go east. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was the life of Lance Hepler. Yes. Good for him. All right. We are going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to um, push the backpedal back a little bit, and we're going to lead with the lead-out news. Maybe that makes sense. Push the backpedal back, lead with mm-hmm. the lead-out news. Yeah, maybe that's a new thing for us. I like it. <laughs> but in our lead-out news this week, we're uh, we're actually going to do it a little bit differently. We're not bringing you news. We're going to give you our news on our Tour de France picks. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious from you guys who you're picking and possibly, do you have a dark horse as well? Kind of like your plan B if your lead horse, or your lead horse, your lead, uh, your lead guy, your main guy. Yeah. Doesn't make it. So I'll go first because I think my dark horse is basically who I had picked to do well at the Giro, which did not happen. I'm going with Michael Woods as my dark horse. I think he has a top five finish. I think he goes top five. Okay. It's a heavy climbing tour, a mm-hmm. very heavy yeah, climbing, climbing tour this year. Michael Woods is one of the best climbers in the tour. Here's the problem with picks in the tour, though, is that 
it's not those stages that you want to be confident in. It's the 12 stages leading up to that. Is there Mm -hmm. going to be a crash? Is there going to be a mechanical? Is he going to get sick? There's so many things that can happen during the tour. But so should we do dark horses first? Everybody go around, say they're dark horses, and then we'll go podiums and winners. Um, <clears throat> sure. Let's do it that way. Let's yeah. do it that way. Okay. You got a dark horse for us, Whitney? I've got a dark horse or two. I think kind of a sleeper uh, pick for me is going to be Richie Port. Okay. I think he's yeah, got like some, yeah. some mm-hmm. options. I almost think Adam Yates could pull something off. Yates is a this great dark horse pick. <laughs> yeah, I like that. If Richie Port does make it through, that'd yeah. be fantastic. What's the over-under on the number of days before he has some sort of some, like right, crash or something. stupid mechanical yeah, that puts him out of it? Yeah. Uh, over-under, I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be 10 stages. I, I mean, that's really when it starts to heat up is past that yeah, first week and a half. I would, I would agree with you. That was yeah, the exact yeah. number I was going to say. And, burn. So. Um, and they do have some cobbled sections this year, correct? I need to look back at the stages, but I'm pretty sure they do. Maybe, yeah. I think they do. Oops. I don't know. Somebody's to correct us on that, but I'm pretty sure they got a cobbled stage. Maybe we could do a stage preview next mm-hmm. week. So, And when this comes out, we will just be a few days shy of the tour actually yep. starting. There will be the be... prologue and a couple sprint stages will yeah, be done. So Saturday the 6th. Saturday, it's a big uh, route. It's yeah. a big one. It's yeah. like uh, almost a couple hundred K. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, going to be rough. So, um, Evan, did you say your dark horse? I'm sorry. Um, yes, I did. So actually looking at the the first couple of days of the tour real quick, um, the first stage is actually going to be like you were saying, wait, it's actually a long sprint stage. The team time trial is day number two, which that that's, I'm not sure if they've ever done a team time trial on stage two before, which will be very Sounds interesting. Early. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That's very early for a team time trial. Gotcha. Um, my dark horse, I'm going to play Homer and I want this guy to do well. TJ Van Gardner. TJ. I, yeah. I, that's super dark. I mean, it's almost like yeah, <laughs> dark, dark horse. But um, I would love to see him and the guys from EF have like a, a good tour and, and have yeah. them be up front and center just because we're Americans and we want to support our boys. That you know, would be go. cool. Let's you go, know, EF. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Vegas is saying 100 to 1 on him. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so that's a pretty dark horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if, well, I know we we had talked about this. I mean, he's done well on the lead up in the mm-hmm. very recent read up, lead up. So. You know, I did see somewhere that, so I know we were talking about the Tour de Suisse Mm -hmm. um, earlier and that just talking about one of the favorites, I'm sure we're all going to mention the team Ineos rider Bernal. Um, There's a stat that it has been a long, long time since somebody who I either podiumed or won the Tour de Suisse won the Tour de France. That is not apparently a good predictor. The, uh, the, the, the Dauphiné is considered the much more, you know, uh, uh, better predictor usually yeah now i wouldn't even think about that too much though because this kid's strong like bernal's very very strong and maybe just in the past your stronger writers haven't gone to the tour de suisse but so on that note who's your uh your lead guy who's your big guy yeah picking a win so okay here's here's my winner and i'm being being of Italian descent, this makes me sick to even make this pick but i think this is actually the year that the french figure it out i think bardet wins think so huh that's that's my way it's so much climbing in this tour yeah, you went on the record said that earlier i you did yeah be a frenchman i think i think there's going to be a frenchman this time okay. they are they are desperate for a win between pinot and bardet one of them has to figure it out and i think it's going to be bardet this year gotcha there's enough climbing the problem is he's going to lose time in the team time trial and he's going to lose time in, in the, the time in, in the time trial but I think the mountain stages are so vicious that he's going to have a day where he gets away and there's going to be, there, there's going to be a lot of time lost. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if, 
if your team is flying in a team time trial, you can get yourself two, three minutes on rivals. If you, if you're like a BMC level, like time trial Mm -hmm. team, if you die on Mount Vontu or a climb like that or Alpe d'Huez, you can lose 15 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) You, 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 Mm -hmm. if, if, if a favorite absolutely cracks on one of those days, you can lose some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you picking, Whitney? Well, this might be kind of boring, but I'm going to go with Garrett Thomas. Garrett? I think he's got a chance, and he's he's a good mm-hmm. time trialer. He's not the greatest climber. He's a great time trialer. But uh, he's a great time trialist, and he's got a good team around him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Egon Bernal. Oh, I like I like that pick between Whitney and Jake right now because you got <laughs> there. I've been reading bits and pieces here that um, Garrett doesn't not have the best fitness right now, and he's not as fit as he normally is. I don't, I don't think he's as sharp. lean. He's not as lean as he was last he's year. Carrying a little bit of extra weight, and the yeah. young kid has kind of been making a couple pokes at him, a couple stabs, and you have to think that that's because mm-hmm. he thinks that Garrett's probably not the right guy to support. Yeah. Now he's been quasi-diplomatic about it been somewhat professional maybe some of the stuff has been misconstrued just a tiny bit in the media but you have to know that there's got to be some truth to that so oh, yeah. I, I think i think that there's gonna be a little changing yeah. of the guard there first first article that i'm looking at here is garrett thomas welcomes joint leadership with bernal there you welcomes go. quote unquote welcomes yeah, yeah okay go get him, yeah, exactly <laughs> welcomes yeah. joint leadership yeah, yeah. He's just egging Bernal to attack early, and hopefully he can respond. He's a young 22 years old. He's got testosterone naturally pumping through his uh, veins, and he's just going to be somebody exciting to watch. I mean, he's been exciting to watch thus far. Yeah. Well, hopefully he has the fitness to last three weeks. I think he does. That's the thing. He's he's at the explosiveness for the climbs, but two weeks into Mm -hmm. a Grand Tour, does he have the explosiveness is going to be the question. Yeah. That's why we watch the race. Exactly. That's why it happens. (laughs) All right, um, and we'll let Matt and uh, Lance get on record, too, when they come back next week, mm-hmm. even though they'll have, what, two days of uh, viewership, maybe even three. Not fair, but yeah, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> We've got our dark horses and winners. We can discuss, like, top fives once they come here. And we'll, gotcha. We'll have we'll them have text a it to you before, they get on, before it starts. This is true. There you go. Yeah. We there should go. post yeah. it then right we'll after put that. Put them on the record by the end of the week. them to record. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Cool. All right, let's do our backpedal. Um, Whitney, I'm going to save you because you've got stories for days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, can, I can do a short backpedal too. And, well, it's going to segue yeah. nicely into our okay, topic for sure. today. But um, Evan, backpedal for us. So uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get my training summary in under 15 seconds here. It happened. Um, back on track, running well, biking well, starting to swim well. Anyway, so there were some really, really good triathlons that happened this last week. Sure. Like a big uh, uh, race week for for the professional Ironman circuit. Um, There was an ITU race as well. But um, this last week, we had a friend of mine who uh, races up in Bellingham. He's from Bellingham, David Larpenter. And just a great, like, this is his first year as a pro, great running history um, really starting to, to get his feet wet with swimming and biking in the last couple of years and really starting to improve, uh, had a, had a good, um, uh, coming out party in Coeur d'Alene 73. Uh, I think he was 19th out of 27 starting pros. So me and me and him are in the, the same boat of being at the back of the middle field, but he had a good run, had kind of the same issues that I usually have, which is coming out of the swim, um, with some ground to make up, but put it together on a good, you know, race day. It was a beautiful day in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, outside of that, this is not a backpedal of my own, but anybody who pays attention to Ironman, since I know we're going to go straight down a cycling focus, this podcast today, uh, Ironman Frankfurt happened this last weekend, which pitted two favorites for Kona against each other, really three favorites, but it, it came down to two. 
You had Jan Ferdano and Sebastian Keenly, who me and Matt talk about on this podcast quite a bit. Uber bikers. Uber bikers, yeah. Jan's just an Uber everything. Mm-hmm. Sebastian, mm-hmm. absolutely one of the best cyclists in the sport. Um, and they went toe-to-toe basically through the entire race, and Jan outran him. But a cool little story from there. Sebastian Kindly somehow, I think it may have been coming out of the water, got glass in his foot, biked the 112 miles with glass in his foot. Oh, my God. I had an incredible bike split. Comes off the bike, goes to the med tent. They're pulling this glass shard out of his heel. Jan Ferdano, instead of, because they came right off the bike Mm -hmm. together, instead of just running off to go for the win, goes and checks on Sebi to make sure he's okay. Wow. Yeah. Comes up to him in the middle of the race is like, hey, is he okay? Is he okay? And, you know, so Sebastian says, no, go, you go. They pull the shard out. He throws his run shoes on and they battle it out. Wow. And I mean, battle it out. I think Sebi actually caught him. Jan dropped him. And I think Sebi caught him again. And then Jan dropped him one more time. So wow, that's amazing. And they were head and shoulders above the rest of the mm-hmm. field. It's one of the most competitive Ironmans all year. And they were on another planet from everybody else. Wow. So I love hearing that kind of stuff. That's oh, such yeah. a good sports. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I wanted to bring that out. Cause as soon as you saw that, it's, it goes back to in triathlon a couple of years ago in the world championship. Um, the Brownlee brothers who anybody who kind of follows the Olympics mm-hmm. may know them. Alistair was the gold medalist, uh, twice. Um, Johnny and Alistair are racing in the world championship and, uh, Johnny Alistair's brother goes for the win in the last mile and cracks in the last 200 meters to where he's actually swerving over the road. Um, Alistair, instead of racing for the win, goes and stops and grabs his brother and drags him across the finish line Mm -hmm. because he knew that Johnny, to get the points he needed that season, had to get across the finish line in third place. So Alistair literally grabs him and they run together. There's this really cool video of it. I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like huge news in Britain and mm-hmm. around the world, but yeah, that's you, you. You love to see that, and I kind of saw that moment with Jan, and that kind of brought brought back to that. So, so how many hours did you put in this week training? Twenty one and a half, I think. Oh, Good God! Well, these <laughs> next three, four weeks are going to be a lot more. Ask him. So. More? Ask him. Ask him what his future couple of weeks are going to look so like. I'm just lucky, on the bike. Just on the yeah, bike. Just just on the bike. So so this week, I'm very lucky. I will not be in the clinic on July fourth which gives me an extra day to play with. So I'm going to try to try the keyword. I'm going to try to get 20 hours this week on the bike and then back it up with two 14 or 15 hour weeks right after that. Oh my God. Wow. Just the bike. Yeah. <laughs> gotta wow. be, gotta be fast going into August. You're sick. It's, it's time for me to actually <laughs> wow. really focus I love on the it. bike. What but. I do to divide my age by two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just soaking it up now because I know this is not lasting forever. So, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to jump into my back pedal real quick, and then we're going to let Whitney go. Um, there's a, a reason why we invited him to come back for today. Um, we had short track this past Monday, and mm-hmm. it was another great week. We had another big, strong showing of guys in, in my race. Um, I think there was five of us, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, we were missing uh, Scott Troutman because he's having some knee problems, but I think there was still another five of us in the race. So we did well. I got come second. Come see me, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got second place. I was happy about that. Danny Winkle uh, put it to us pretty good this week. That guy is just so smooth. He's really I was going to ask how, how strong he came and out. You know what? I've been watching him too, and I've been taking note where mm-hmm. I lose a lot of time to him is when we're passing traffic. And, man, I wish we could go and talk to the promoters. They put the U44 Cat 1s in front of us, and they let them go, what is it, about 30, 45 seconds mm-hmm. ahead? We always catch them by the end of the first lap because we're going like a half mile an hour faster than them. Mm-hmm. And once we catch those guys, a lot of them – 
are are thinking that we're in the mm-hmm. race, so they're not they don't really let you pass. exactly. So you're having to burn matches at them. And I, I'm watching Danny. I'm like, how in the world did he just get by that one, two, three group of guys so quickly? And I'm back here like having to pick them off one at a time. I think he's being a little bit more vocal with them. And I don't think he's being a jerk, but I think he's just mm-hmm. like yelling at him, get out of the way. or he's just communicating. In yeah. a different category. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what I need to do. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think I would have got him because he is in much better shape than I am right now. And he's just smooth through there and he knows how to ride that perfectly. So kudos to, to see him. you two just like go at, just clear course, go at it. Uh, I, he's probably, you think? I yeah. think he has better fitness than I do. Okay. Honest to God, I, I just think he has better fitness than... He's got pretty darn good fitness then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been off like ever since the team time trial that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, I've kind of like my volume's been cut back and been riding on the trainer and I've just kind of been like that because my yeah. shoulder's been hurting me. Um, How the shoulder feel on there? That was what I was waiting to hear I, this you week. Know what? I, the way that I've been setting my weeks up is that I'm really just giving my shoulder all the rest that I can just so I can yeah. race short track. Mm-hmm. But this past week, I kind of, I think, kind of turned a corner. Um, I only good. spent one day on the trainer and I rode outside all the others. And this past weekend was um, pretty good, too. I put in, I think it was like five and a half hours this past weekend. Okay. So that was that was good on the bike outdoors. Yeah. Half of that, though was all done on the gravel bike or well, the cross bike, but it was like a mixture of like gravel mountain bike roads, yeah. um, rough surface, rough surface, technical Hard stuff riding. And yeah. I know, and I spent, it was about two hours and 45 minutes on that bike riding. It was almost 35 miles with a lot of climbing and technical stuff in there. And I really wanted to see a, how it would hold up after the problems that have been happening mm-hmm. and B, I wanted to start figuring out, well, am I going to be able to do the cyclocross thing in the fall? So I had a, That's pretty a nice vote of confidence because I woke up yesterday. And I was it was sore, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like a like a terrible sore. I'm like, all right, I can get through this. And I went out and did another two and a half hour plus ride, and it it managed it. It it did its thing, and it's not hurting too much today. It's again stiff, That's but good. Um, That's good. We'll keep cranking on that. So, so when you're in short track during the race, where does your shoulder hurt the most? What are you doing? Um, it's just it. It's probably just through like the technical stuff. Just having like really like when you have to stabilize yourself and you're mm-hmm. turning, you're leaning on it and you're having to pull and, and go over stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when you feel it. And it's when you're in the heat of the moment and you've got the, you know, the blood pumping through your veins and your mm-hmm. heart's about ready to jump out of your <laughs> chest and you got a little bit of adrenaline longer. running in there. You don't feel it, feel it. I feel it more right after the race. Like, okay. like I remember this past week, the first thing I did was rode over to my car, leaned my bike up there and I had to go over and stretch because it was just starting to scream at me. I'm like, oh, please, please, please don't let this be a bad thing. So, you know, I went over and did some stretching and that helped a little bit. And then as the night goes on, it gets a little bit sore. And then I wake up the next morning and it's just like somebody hit my with a two by four and I'll just kind of work through it and then it'll feel all right. But well, you got a week off. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have any short track tonight. So no short track. There's also no PIR this week. Did I hear that right? But I think there is Mount Tabor. Oh, they're, Wednesday. They're, oh, they're mm-hmm. still keeping. They're going to do that the day I, before Fourth on, of July, it's huh? Still on the calendar. Oh, right on. Hmm. Are you going to race that? Maybe I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for for my age group, I think it's like six miles. So, but that's an intense six miles. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not a short track six miles. No, it's <laughs> not. So, and other than that, we had our little fog hat right on Friday. It was a smaller group because there was a lot of people that went out of town this weekend for all kinds of racing. Like there was triathlons, there was mm-hmm. uh, mountain bike racing, there was road bike stage racing there was all kinds of fun stuff small group but it was a good group because we still had more new people show up and got to meet some new folks and uh, more people are excited about coming out so i think come like the end of the summer i think if once we start to get everybody back in town that's going to be a big ride it's gonna be a lot Mm -hmm. of fun to um have all those folks come out and we'll just go take over the streets of camas in vancouver washington (laughs) maybe we'll even go to portland one of these days but anyway it was a good week whitney 
backpedal force. Okay, I've got a little bit of backpedal. <laughs> um, Much bigger than what ours. did you do this past week, yeah. Whitney? <laughs> well, um, the past week I've been trying to get my volume up a little bit, sure, so that I can, um, you know, ride the uh, Seattle to Portland in a couple of weeks. Sure, mm-hmm. but in between that, we had a big event for the team. And it was the Baker City Cycling Classic that was held out in Eastern Oregon. And it brings people from the neighboring states. Yep. So we saw people from Utah, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, California. Wow. And uh, we brought a team out there of five masters. So we were in the 40 plus three, four, fives. There was five of us. We also had... uh, Somebody in the four fives, Jesse Tonkinson. Uh-huh. And then Kieran Crossley was in the Cat Threes. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that was a big event. And first of all, I need to shout out to John Hatfield for really organizing our team into going out to Baker City. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a stage race, three days, four stages, road race on day one. Uh, day two was a team or a time trial, a crit, and then day three was a road race. Okay. That was a tough road race. Yes. <laughs> and so for those of you that have listened before, the team that went out there uh, was Chris Hannell, Chris Surratt, John Hatfield, Ian Gibson, myself, were the Masters team. Then we had Jesse Tonkinson and Kieran that were out there. Correct. So uh, we had a tremendous time uh, Friday night after the road race. Um, Gypsy Lance Romance came through town <laughs> as he was heading east. Played the tambourine for you all. And all of a sudden, the van shows up, and he's in the hot tub telling Oregon Trail stories. <laughs> did he just like kind of show up, or did you guys know who's? Well, coming? we saw him. He had posted a ride somewhere along the Columbia River. I don't yeah. know where it was. I didn't zoom in enough. And I we thought, hey, you have to stop by as you're heading east. And so I think it was about 6 or 7 o'clock. Sure. He pops into town on Friday night. Uh, we had a, a place that had a pretty big backyard, so Piper was going nuts after being in the car for a while. Yeah. And dog, she was running all over the place. And then Lance jumped in the hot tub and held court, uh, <laughs> telling stories yeah. of that Oregon Trail gravel grinder. But anyhow, uh, it was nice to see him, and he stuck around for the time trial launch uh, yep. Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the stage race, uh, for those of you that uh, follow Chris Hannell on Strava, he has some mm-hmm. outstanding race reports on each stage. They're yeah. phenomenal. I uh, was listening, or not listening to those. I was reading those and just like, like in my head, just I could see exactly how it was. He creates out. a mm-hmm. great, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. And of all the people to tell the story, he was the best one. Um, so the first day, the road race was about 70 miles. And yep. uh, it had a few hills in it and one big climb. And, um, you know, it was it was interesting because in our group there was a team from Utah uh, that had about five or six riders, and then there was a couple of therapeutics guys. The, the David Hart, David Salzberg were in our group, mm-hmm. and then the rest were just a bunch of independents. I think we had twenty three people in our field, so kind of a smaller field for yeah. a, a stage race. And then about ten miles into it, I think Chris Hanel got a little bored. Cause we were kind of taking an easy pace mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the riders were thinking of the weekend ahead and thought, yep. oh, we better just take it easy. So Chris pulls off his trademark. I'm tired of this and took off the front. Yeah, for those of you keeping track at home again, this is the same guy that at Kings Valley, the Kings Valley road race, they, they've, said all right y'all get on get 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 on get on. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that was that lady yeah. said. And he jumped at the, the gun at the gun. 
and left everybody behind and did the entire race solo off the front. Yeah. It, that, that's like his, his signature trademark. Move. He also apparently did this one while chewing on a cliff bar, correct? From his race report, it sounded like he was mid bite of a cliff bar and yeah, just kind of rolled off. He, 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 <laughs> he started on the cliff bar, but he took off the front a little bit and saw that nobody was going to follow him. So uh-huh. he just kept going. He said, I think it stuck to him for seven miles or so. Oh, yeah. But anyways, because the, the field didn't know who Chris Hannell was for the most part, there were some local guys that did. Mm-hmm. But we were going into a little bit of a headwind and some rollers, and he took off. I think we had 65 miles left and a climb. What a place to take off. Who takes off into a headwind? So so the only other organized team thought, this guy can't do this. Yeah. And let him go. Yep. Which you'd probably do at at that point in a race many times. So they start talking to us, and they said, who was that that went up there? And we're like, he's not know. strong. Yeah, I don't know. No, no he's fine. <laughs> and um, I, I remember Ian heard somebody ask this question. This was hilarious. Somebody asked Evan, is that, or Ian, is that guy a strong writer? And Ian <laughs> says, he's strong and he's crazy. <laughs> so he stayed away the whole race and put five minutes, 18 seconds into the field for the general classification. Just absolutely amazing. I want him to post his power profile from that just so we can all gawk at it. That's incredible. And he said he was starting to fade on power numbers in the hills that were probably 10 miles left in the race. Mm -hmm. But luckily he had such a lead that it really didn't matter. What was his gap by the end of that? Well, by the end of the race, it was five minutes, 18 seconds. That's incredible. And he had some strong riders and what the the cool thing about it was is Chris Surratt came in second. So he was Good. the first of the chase group and John Hatfield kind of led Chris in, uh, to the last, Oh, I guess 500 meters. Mm-hmm. And then John came in right behind that main field. And then I was pulling a chase group that was about five minutes behind them. Yeah. And so what was really helpful was Surratt had his family at the top of the climb, yep. giving us water bottles, our nice. own special water bottles. But what the, the, part of the race, the other team thought, let's try to catch this guy. So they were just drilling the front and we would get kind of mixed in with their pace line and we'd get to the front and just kind of sit there and they'd look back and their shoulders. And I was like, Oh, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they really worked hard after they realized he was creating a big gap mm-hmm. and it was just no way they were going to catch him. And, um, one of the things that they said afterwards was that we put their whole team on the back foot yeah. from the, from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, but it was really cool to have another organized team there that had about the same numbers, but they certainly didn't have the weapon like we did with Chris Hannell and Chris yeah. Surratt. Yeah. I think, I think just with both of, with, with guys both capable of going that far, I mean, from like a, I mean, I'm sure if Serrat had gotten off the front too, he could probably stay away for 50, 60 miles on a mm-hmm. course like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have two guys that basically, if one gets brought in, you just launch the other. Mm-hmm. That's almost, I mean, that's about as dangerous a combination as you can get yeah. in a long road race with people a little bit, you know, who don't know those two very well. Right. And the yeah. thing was, is that we didn't know how this was going to play out. So we had a few different scenarios and and of course, um, I was just playing a supporting role, but what we were hoping for is to have Chris, Chris and Hatfield, uh, up there somewhere. And certainly that played out, but 
we didn't know Chris was going to go off the front for 65 miles. Yeah. <laughs> so had the other team and maybe a few other individuals that gotten together and they had real handle back in, you guys had the firepower and the explosion of Chris Surratt to just basically come off and explode for you know a stage victory. Right. I, I mean, I, there's probably nobody in the, that field that can out-sprint him, correct? Right. He, so. he took the, the leaders to the line and he beat them all. Exactly. Oh, he but, took them like, to the line handily, didn't yeah. he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, that should have. I, I wish I could have watched that race. It was yeah. it was just classic class. teamwork, and um, for the most part, uh, everybody in our field was really uh, a good sport. I mean, there was a couple of knuckleheads like you find in every sure. field, but mm-hmm. overall, it was a, a great group of people that we were racing against, and we we got a lot of respect as a team just from some of the tactics. We weren't just out there riding as hard as we could. Sure. And so I think it was kind of cool to see our teamwork out there. And then um, in the four fives, um, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head what Jesse uh, did on the first stage, but he he held his own. I think he was close to the top on that one. He was within, I think he said something like 28 or 30 seconds, right. if I'm not mistaken. And I think he chiseled that down, or maybe it was... Uh, something like that and then he chiseled it down during the time trial and the uh, oh yeah he eventually did very well and i'll get to that in just a minute but he he held his own in that road race and then kieran kind of came out in the middle of the threes there yeah so just going back and looking at chris's uh, ride profile from strava his average speed and i'd have to dig in a little bit more to get a little bit more power information but his average speed pretty much solo by himself the entire time was 22.8 miles an hour for 71 miles and that's thirty, About. almost thirty-four hundred feet of elevation gain. Right, and we that's, had a headwind in the rolling hills that were the last ten, fifteen miles. That is insane. And I'm told, and correct me if I'm wrong, his finishing time on that stage was faster than the entire peloton of the Pro One Two. Um, uh, that's it. I, I think, it might have been the Master One Two Threes. Oh, was it the Master I One Two Three? Think okay. I would have to look. Okay, because the pros did. A, I think theirs was. Theirs was like much quicker. It was like two hours and something. Oh, okay, so maybe then was the the masters one two three, but I, it was it was the one twos it, that makes more sense. But still, by himself, by himself, wow. And uh, he he didn't even take a bottle. Seriously, there was a great neutral feed zone. Plus, we had Surratt's parents up there, and he took two bottles on his bike. And he had the same two bottles when he finished. Oh my gosh. And it was it was warm. <laughs> yeah. We're at a little bit higher altitude than what we're used to. I think we're at thirty five hundred feet out there and we're all from sea level. So yeah. you know, it's a little bit more drying out there. So he still only took two bottles. Okay. Fast forward to the next day that we're we're into Saturday now. So well let me just go to the uh the oh, Friday night. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. The Friday night spaghetti feed that <laughs> um, they they pulled out the the jerseys and um, I think after this year, if they have the Baker City Cycling Classic again, you need to talk to them about their leader jerseys. The leader jersey for Chris was baby blue. It doesn't go with our kit very well. <laughs> <laughs> and with a couple of people that were getting the leader jerseys on our team, I think that they need to change the kits. But anyhow, gotcha. <laughs> um, we had a, there was a little presentation of the leader jerseys. Uh-huh. And um, uh, going into day two, we had two people in the top three of the GC uh-huh. going into it. So Saturday morning was the time trial. It was a short time trial, 11 minutes or 11 miles, excuse me. And... Um, 
what was cool there is Chris Surratt won that, and then Chris Hannell came in second. Exactly, and he rode on that same borrowed time trial bike that he used in the team yeah. time trial, correct? Yeah, so shout out to Elisa Wise. Correct. And um, he had that dialed in. The only thing I can say that I did to help Chris is I showed him how to remove the back wheel of a Cervelo TT bike with the horizontal <laughs> dropouts. So that's Those the dropouts thing. are a little bit confusing if you've only like worked on right. road bikes before. They, they do, yeah. they're a little weird. So I showed him how to change a wheel really easy, and that's the only thing I can claim uh, that I helped Chris with. But anyhow... They did, the thing that was a little intimidating about that time trial is they gave you the reverse order of the GC the day before. Uh-huh. So you've got guys behind you going on 30-second increments that beat you in the road race. <laughs> so it gets into your head a little bit. Yeah. And then they split up team members so that you weren't following a teammate. Ooh, that's hard. Um, so I think Chris Surratt's average speed was probably around 28 miles an hour over that 11-mile course. And I think I... John Hatfield and I came in fifth and sixth in the time trial and ours was like 26, almost 27 miles an hour. Uh-huh. But it was uh, uh, first thing in the morning. I think we went off just before nine o'clock in the morning. Took us about 23 to 24 minutes. And then the crit was that afternoon at about two o'clock. So we had gotcha. a little bit of downtime at the house. But uh, our buddy Lance was there to help us off at the time trial. And um, we also had a cheering section of our dialed junior team of uh, Yunji Hatfield and Deja, Jesse Whitaker's daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, She's been on the podcast before. Yeah. yeah. So we had a couple of people there to cheer us on. That's awesome. They were actually sending me pictures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, Check this out. <laughs> oh, this is Deja, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Deja, she's a great uh, photographer. She would take 30 pictures of each one of our poses. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little recap then of the... Uh, the, the crit. Okay, so the crit was uh, downtown Baker City, and I think it was about 0.6 miles in kind of an L-shaped. Uh-huh. So from the start line, you had a, about four quick turns and then a couple of straightaways. And in our group, we got off and um, we had a couple of laps, and then, I, well, I mean, we had five or six laps. And then Chris Surratt decides to go for a prime lap, and then he decides to stay away. <laughs> so then he stayed oh, he just away. for and then just rode through. And just rode through and stayed away the whole time. And he, I think he had up to about 25 seconds on the field. And I think we closed it a little bit, but uh-huh. he still clearly had the whole thing. And in you the guys bag. were Dang. obviously trying to control that as much as possible. Well, abso- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were riding hard, but we weren't letting it get away. Sure. And it was the same thing as the road race the day before. We'd get in the pace line, and then all of a sudden it was our turn at the front, and mm. then the person peeling off would look at us and kind of shrug their shoulders and go, oh, it's <laughs> him. who's again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So then, uh, for the most part, it was a pretty straightforward crit. There wasn't much uh, you know, tomfoolery going on. Mm-hmm. But then in the last uh, straightaway, I saw Ian, who was just getting his sprint wind up, get bumped by oh. somebody that was really going kind of across the whole field and he had to stutter a couple of times be, and keep his balance and sure. then start up but he still came in on the podium so we had chris surratt number one chris hannell came in number two and ian came in third oh that's so cool and wow. then we all had the, all of us on the team besides chris had the pack time so we didn't yeah. there was no time lost and then chris got a time bonus for winning so that was a wow. lot of fun yeah, it's pretty strong what was the time bonus uh, I think it was um, it was ten seconds. Sure, I think for Chris Surratt. Cool. 
And so then Chris Hannell maintained the leader's jersey for the entire weekend. And he didn't really lose much time to Chris Surratt on the time trial. So his his GC lead at that point in time going into day four was what, roughly four minutes still? He still had close to five minutes going wow. into the fourth stage. Wow. <laughs> and he maintained the jersey. And, and Saturday night in the house, we were having a conversation and John Hatfield says, you know, Chris, you're responsible for choosing our nature break. <laughs> and this Chris, yeah. being fairly new to racing, is like, what? We don't need to do that. <laughs> so we talked about when and where he'd do it. And so he had some responsibilities with that leader's jersey. Mm-hmm. But, well, we'll get into the final part of that story later. We'll fin- finish that part. Um, do you have any recollection of what happened in Kieran's race, the, the Cat 3s, and what happened in Jesse's race in the 4.5s? In the four fives with Jesse watching, we got there and we watched him and, and he was really writing smart. Like he's a very calculating individual. And, and according to Annie, he does lots of stuff on spreadsheets and exports <laughs> stuff out of story. Like there's a lot of work that goes into his anal- analyzing skills. There. He's a sharp kid. I guess that's and, why he's going to go be a doctor here ex- pretty soon. But exactly. Yeah. So he was kind of watching the field and kind of hanging back in the back third for the first few laps. Sure. And then... I better look and see what his result was, but I think he was he was fifth at the crit. Yeah, so he yeah. didn't he didn't lose any time there, and he really played it smart, safe, stayed mm-hmm. upright, and uh, and then Kieran came out kind of in the middle as well. Good, good. All right. So we had a good day at the Criterium, all safe, no mechanicals, no problems. Gotcha. And then fast forward into stage four. Okay, so before I go into stage four, I gotta talk a little bit about our house our team house okay so it it had a nice hot tub in the on the back deck but what was interesting is it had a massage chair (laughs) and you know i don't evan probably thinks oh he's probably over here rolling his eyes a massage chair or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and you think about something you'd see in a mall out in front of like uh, brookstone or something yeah the other thing you pay five bucks to sit in for for 15 minutes yeah yeah yeah, exactly Uh so this thing it looked hideous i mean it was this big thing sitting in the living room all you needed to do was sit in it once and you're like okay how can i get one of these (laughs) this thing the only thing it didn't do is it didn't do your hamstrings your quads and your pecs i mean because it didn't do anything on the top but it was unbelievable giving you back shoulder glute calf foot massage i mean it was it didn't hit your hamstrings it it didn't quite cover that area because of the yeah. way you were sitting in the chair gotcha. but it was unreal so we all kept we almost had to have a sign-up sheet because it had these 20 <laughs> yeah. minute cycles <laughs> yeah and we all were doing rounds in the in the chair but anyways so we had a nice quiet saturday evening and then sunday morning was the final road race yep. which was about 84 miles and a little bit over seven thousand feet of climbing <laughs> and most of that That's a monster stage oh came in gosh. the last 10 miles I think the last 10 miles had over 3,000 feet of climbing. Oh, boy. Jeez. What was the average grade of that? The average grade wasn't bad. I think I, I, I think it might have been 6 to 8%, 6 to 9%. Okay. So it kind of kicked up a few times and whatnot. Yeah. and But overall, you just had to really keep a steady pace. But it was 10 miles of really difficult climbing gotcha and that on strava would be referred to as the anthony climb correct yes so what so was it's that? giving us the average gradient of six percent yeah that's the average so and it probably kicked like you said a few times but there was uh up until that point 
there was a there was one climb that we did a reverse climb of what we did on Friday and you know it got spirited but the group was entirely together and you know during that race we really had to put the kibosh on Chris going off the front cuz yeah. he doesn't like sitting in no he does and not and we all. had to get him to sit in and actually take some bottles too. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that Chris wouldn't be great in a three week GC contention. He would just want to break away every single day. Well, and he's got some, he's got some fitness that none of us yeah. can uh, really comprehend. Mm-hmm. So the race started out at a super slow pace. Like everybody was like, not sure how this was going to go, yeah. how their fitness was. So the entire group was really putzing down the road. We even got, neutralized for the four or five group to pass us and they started five minutes behind us oh geez (laughs) i guess we're taking it easy but yeah so then then we were really taking it easy till the first few hills and then it started getting a little hot yeah and we still kept we were trying to keep chris surratt chris hanel and john hatfield protected sure um sometimes we'd have to go up front and yank them back and um but they did do a good job of sitting in and uh, we got over the first climb, which was the Catherine Creek climb, which was just a little bit east of Baker City. And um, we got to the second feed zone, which was, oh, probably about 55 miles in. Sure. And the gentleman who eventually won the stage attacked at the second feed zone. Okay. So I was sitting there trying to grab a couple of things, and all of a sudden the group just explodes. <laughs> And I barely got back on. Uh And I think the the group of maybe five to seven riders was up front and stayed with Scott Goldstein, who attacked. But it was tough to get back in the group. And we finally all got back together. And then out in the flats before the big climb, Ian and I did a lot of work to try to keep John, Chris, and Chris in shape for the climb. Yeah. And so then we got to the third feed zone, which is at the bottom of the climb, and then all hell broke loose. And and um, Scott Goldstein, who had done some work on the front, but it was rather soft, mm-hmm. um, just took off up the hill. Chris Hannell stayed on his wheel the entire time. And um, Chris Hannell ended up coming in second on that climb, or on the stage, but maintained the jersey. And then Chris Surratt, and John Hatfield came back, and I think they had a few minutes down on on uh, Chris's time. Gotcha. And uh, so the the exciting thing was is that Chris maintained the leader jersey all the way throughout the the entire stage race, and won the general classification. Chris Surratt had came in third, so he got on the podium, and then there was a lot of movement on that final day because of that mm-hmm. big climb. And this person that was really unknown was out of California and he looked like he weighed about 115 pounds. Oh, geez. He oh, was really suited for that climb. Yeah, and uh-huh. he, he kind of snuck in and took second because when you've got, you know, just a, a four stage race mm-hmm. and a huge climb, that huge climb puts some time into some people and it really messed up the, the GC for the most part. Yeah. In fact, I think I lost 20 minutes on that big climb, but after, yeah kind of pulling in some in the flats I had nothing left for the climb and I knew it I knew I didn't have a, a spot really mm. throughout that climb so I just thought I'm going to do everything I can before the climb and just enjoy the scenery yeah <laughs> yeah well and that's I mean being being a team you, you had already done your your job for that so you basically just had to do what the domestique does at that point and 
exactly. <laughs> just, just try to get to the finish line. On it, that and, last and that tough one, climb. It, was a, it was a tough climb. It was warm. And uh, if there was some spots that had a little bit of a tailwind, you're going nine miles an hour, you got no air. And so yeah. it was a little mm-hmm. bit rough. It's been yeah. pretty hot there in years past. And I can remember hearing stories from people about mm-hmm. like, you know, heat exhaustion and heat stroke and yeah. people like really having some medical emergencies because of the heat on that. So Yeah, and they and John Hatfield was saying in his past experience, sometimes they would hand out pantyhose filled with ice to hang around mm-hmm. your neck. Oh wow. So luckily we had ideal weather. I mean it was eighty something degrees, sure. which was warm, but it it wasn't hailing and raining like it's done in the past and it wasn't, you know, a hundred degrees. Crazy. So that's how the the Masters three four five played out. Um, and then what was really cool in the four or five group is Jesse Tonkinson was kind of following the leader Jersey to the bottom of the climb and the leader decides to just throw down at the beginning of the climb. And Jesse thought, mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't going to last. He's going to blow up. And sure enough, yeah, the leader Jersey blew up and Jesse rode away with the stage yeah, because he, uh, he only had to make up what was it, like 30-some seconds, right. I think, that last day. So. But he rode away with the stage, and so it was really cool to see him take the top step. That's awesome. Gotcha. Who was the one that was the uh, the GC? The GC was actually um, one of the guys that was – it was his son, so Ken James, who was riding in our group. Okay, so his son Tyler James maybe? It was his son Tyler James who had the jersey going into the last day. Okay. He decides to re- really just put down – a ton of watts in fact jesse said he always was putting down 350 watts at the beginning of the climb yeah and uh it looks like jesse ended up beating him i guess this is the gc time by uh you just have to take six minutes some seconds but oh, so yeah just really over six minutes yeah yeah so and i guess tyler had done this stage before uh-huh and he must have just not been having the legs for the last climb so yeah, yeah. i mean his father kind of wiped a couple of us off the map in in our group so ken really had a good race sure for the entire um uh four stages but tyler had a rough last day that's that's too bad for him but awesome for yeah, jesse just, <laughs> yeah. i mean it was it's really cool to see what jesse's done in the last year i mean he's really come along he's, he's, he's had him. such a steady fitness build over yeah. the last couple of years well, when he first started riding with us i mean he mm-hmm. was he was a strong kid but he wasn't doing anything like it was extraordinary mm-hmm. um and that's not to take anything away from him but it was because i think he'd had a pretty serious leg break if i'm not mistaken oh so he was still kind of recovering from that still building up his fitness getting back into cycling yeah and like he would just like start doing like these little things. I'm like, Oh, that, that was interesting. He's mm-hmm. he just got a little stronger or, or, or like you go do a climb and like all of a sudden, like you were expecting him not to be coming up for another minute or two. Mm-hmm. And he's like right there. I'm like, Oh, where did he come from? And then we started doing our off season, uh, Tuesday night Strava rides. And those get a little spirited sometimes. And we'll always have mm-hmm. a hot section in there. And throughout the course of the whole winter off season, those hot sections, he started actually winning those. Yeah. And I'm like, where's this kid coming from? Yeah. You know that what was, I mean? He's, he's been very diligent. He's been very um, calculated with his training. Yeah. Like you said, he'll be making his spreadsheets. Yeah. He'll be training his, yeah. uh, doing his training plan. He's commuting on the bike very frequently. He just keeps getting stronger and faster. I'm like, my God, where's this kid sealing at? Because he's still layering up. I mean, he's still relatively young in the cycling yeah. world. Um, and and he's, he's, kept, he's kept his volume pretty low during the entire time, which I think is great because he's, yeah. like you said, he's done a really appropriate build yeah. of fitness but like his power, he hasn't tried to reach yeah his power just keeps going up and yeah. i think he weighs was it 145 not pounds? a lot of pounds yeah. he's lighter than i am it's yeah. 
it's it's insane. His watts per kilo are just starting yeah. to go through the roof. And this I, is where like this winter, like 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 you said, it was like watching Nate, Mike, and Tonk all yeah, get stronger. Yeah, right. That yeah. was like I mean, it, it was going to be no surprise. Like these are the three strongest mm-hmm. guys in this yeah. region coming up. Yeah. Like these guys are going to be blowing apart the fields that they're racing yeah. in. So well, Nate got his upgrade. He's a Cat Four now, and uh, he yeah. won't be a Cat Four for He'll much longer. He'll be a three in no yeah, time. As soon as he gets yeah. a little bit more um, experience out there in terms yeah. of racing and and gets a few more races under his belt, he'll be a Cat yeah. Three before you know it. And then poor Mike Guy Van. This is a little <laughs> tangent here. He's like, how come everybody's getting upgraded but me? And I've been doing really well and I've been winning stuff. And I was talking to him this past week. So he sent um, Ober an email. Was he still a five? He was yes. still a five. Still oh my five. God. He's like, hey, uh, just curious, like, you know, when am I, I getting get upgraded? Up- <laughs> when am I getting upgraded? Because it's all based on points and the number of mass starts. And um, they got the email and he gets an email back from them. He's like, and their their words were like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't know how this was an oversight, but he he has enough points to get upgraded to a Cat Three, but he can't go straight from a Cat Five to a Cat Three. So he's a Cat Four and probably will do maybe one or two more races, like another PR or two, yeah. and then he'll get upgraded. To there's cat your three, so. there's yeah. your dialed three team yeah. here in the next six months yeah. or so. It's going to be Tonk, Nate, yeah. and Mike, yeah. and then." And our, t- and our team is still relatively young. We're in our mm-hmm. third season and doing really well, mind you. But um, it's not one of those things where, like, you put together a team and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of elite, you know, one-twos and whatnot. We've had some strong people. Um, but what we've been doing a really good job of is growing ourselves organically and mm-hmm. having people rise through the ranks. And it'll be neat to see in the next, like, you know, maybe two or three years uh, more people from our team going into the one-two mm-hmm. realm. And yeah. we weren't there to begin with. And these are going to be people that were kind of like farm raised from yeah, us. And it's exactly. going to be neat to see them kind of grow and mature as yeah. cyclists. So um, I'm really looking forward to that because that's probably the one field that we're the least represented in. Mm-hmm. You know, for for me last year, I was the only person racing in the one twos because I was the only person that was higher than a three. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, I had to go through what I went through. But I'm training myself. And, and part of it is I don't want to go up there and race right now by myself yeah going through all the stuff that i'm going through yeah. trying to get myself back into shape and, and whatnot but i'm gonna be working my butt off this off season and i'm really hoping hoping that like come next year when i start getting my um my racing back on on track and get out there mm-hmm. that there will be a couple new uh newly minted cat twos you you think about the potential i mean if we're talking two years down the road sure. here there's a chance you have the chris's jake Tonk, Nate, and Mike. Yeah. All there. I yeah. mean, those are uh, like, those guys are strong enough to be yeah. there. It's just, can they get the points, basically? And that will make All a those big guys difference. are tattoos. That strength. makes a big difference when you're trying to survive in a race. I mean, oh, I was yeah. I was surfing wheels when I only did one real road race, and that was the Cherry Pie Road Race. And I was the only person there from my team. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've got friends in there, and, and we're I'm trying to like work with them and whatnot, but they've got their own teams. And there were yeah. all the teams out there were highly organized doing their stuff. And I'm just trying to surf wheels. And I really wish that that crash didn't happen in that freaking race because yeah. I really would have loved to seen how that worked out. But yeah. I, I was able to make it work. But it would be so much nicer to have teammates it to work with. It makes a big difference. Yes. Oh yeah. Huge yes. difference. Oh yeah. Because those races are tough. Mm-hmm. Not only are they fast and intense, they're longer. Yeah. And if you want to be able to survive in those, you've got to a have the time to train, but b you got to have teammates to, to mm-hmm. help you through there. So. Yeah. And I would love nothing more than to go do those races and just be the person that's out there helping my teammates get to the the finish line so we can put people yeah. on the podium because that's equal to if not better for me for getting yeah. somebody up on the podium than myself winning the race as yeah. well it takes a little bit of pressure off too but exactly <laughs> well hopefully tonk will be able to continue to develop i mean he's applying to medical school soon yeah mm-hmm. but he's really got a lot of great support and in fact it was really cool having annie there because she helped out with some of the sure. hand-ups but she's a mm-hmm. very positive 
yeah. incorrigible person. Uh, both of them are. They're just yeah. the neatest people. Yeah, so. right. I've already he'll, said neat twice. Sorry. He'll, <laughs> he'll figure it out with medical school. Yeah, There's, yeah. I mean, he seems to be a very scheduled, regimented type of person. So sure. he'll he'll be sure. able to put it together. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to share about that? Well, you know, weekend? I would say that that back to your comment about the team. That's really what made this a great experience. Sure. Because you saw the rest of the writers in the in the in our field, and you'd see that they are kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we had two solid teams really represented. I mean, the, the the therapeutics guys just had a couple that really didn't make a difference up against teams that had five or six people. Yeah. But it it just made a different racing dynamic, and it made it a lot of fun and just you know, traveling out there with the guys and, and being in the dialed house. Yeah. And uh, th- this all kind of starts from team training camp. Right. Uh, we it, Was it kind of that same vibe, just a little bit smaller? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, you spend your time off the bike eating, hydrating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking about random stuff. And, and massage chairing. Yeah, and massage <laughs> yeah. chair. But we also had a little entertainment with uh, our juniors there in the house. Sure. Kept it kind of light. So it was, yeah. it was yeah. a fun time. So... I'd say that the best thing was, is the whole team experience. Sure. That's awesome. And I was living vicariously through each oh, and every so one of your I. posts. I was, <laughs> I was tracking Baker. Like, yeah. there, I mean, that, that just seemed like such an awesome race. Yeah. The sad thing is, I'd love is to try it, and build that in next year. Next year, it well, may we'll not be next year. Oh, are you serious? Uh, they had, they were down, I guess, 75 riders this year from last year. And last year was down a little bit. And, uh, the promoter said that might've been the last one. That's very unfortunate. Now, what, what if would, we could promise? What would some of the causes of that be? Is it just because road racing in general is starting to kind of shrink a little bit, or do you think it has to do with the timing of when they're actually having the event? So close to say Fourth of July, and people it, going it, doing summer stuff. It could be part of that, but I think that there's also this thought that it's really hard, and that's what I've heard from people saying yeah, that true. Baker's a really tough race. Yeah, well, it's tough, but it's not tougher than any race we've done. That's yeah. bike racing, and. Um, <laughs> You know, part of it could be that, you know, you, you, you finish Sunday on the top of a ski hill at one o'clock in the afternoon, you've got to get off the ski hill, you've got to get down and then have a five hour drive home. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I got home at 10 o'clock last night and pulled the truck in the garage with all the bikes still on it and just closed the garage door and went to bed. (laughs) But I I think that part of it is the logistics that it could be the timing, you know, right around the 4th of July. Yeah. So it's really too bad and unfortunate because I I think he's got to stop at some point if the ridership goes down. Sure. And I guess last year they had some pros come in from other teams, you know, Conti teams. Yeah. And I guess the gravel stage really kind of rubbed some people wrong that it wasn't a stage. It was just a a section of one of the road races. Uh A lot of flats to the point where the wheel cars were empty and some professional guys couldn't get a wheel. Uh So I don't know if that had something to do with it, but it would be nice if they could keep it going because it was really a fun race. I would advocate Mm -hmm. for it and I'd do it again. Huh. I might have to talk to the powers that be over to see what we can do to help support them. And, you know, we really need to start coming together as teams um, to help support races like this and get Mm -hmm. more um, racership out there, get more people involved. Because yeah. you hate to see something like that fall off the calendar. Because yeah, we're already losing other great races. I mean, right. And then the, you know, there's some of the races could go away for for other disciplines too. Sure. I mean, we're lucky to have the number of races that we have. Absolutely. And just talking to the team that came and competed against us from Utah, the number of races that we have compared to what they have is just unbelievable. Yeah. And they live in a state where outdoor sports is the number one thing. Sure. And we still have way more race opportunities than they do. Gotcha. Speaking of said Utah team, I heard you have a little bit of uh, history with those guys. 
Well, I've ridden with a couple of them. Yeah. And um, we we keep in touch, you know, throughout the year. And, sure. And uh, in fact, I went to kind of a winter camp with one of them. Um, he was the one that was on the third step of the GC up until the last stage and then fell to fourth, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But uh, it was it was nice to have some friendly competition out there and some conversations. And, uh, you know, they, they said we brought a, a good team and we kicked some big A on them. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And they, they really liked to see that there was some organized teamwork out sure. there instead of just a bunch of people that were just going out for themselves. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Um, we're going to talk today. We're going to move on. That was a long backpedal. Well, that wasn't great. my backpedal. No, really, that was a race report. It really, well, it really fills into our, our topic today, though. So yeah, <laughs> but it still falls under the uh, the the jurisdiction of backpedal. Yeah, I loved it, and that's the main reason why we had to come. This <laughs> did show. I beat Did I beat Lance? What was his record? Um, you better have beat Lance because that was by far one of the most interesting backpedals. <laughs> I was looking forward to that one after track and Baker yeah. this week. It was the number one reason, and that was like the primary part of this whole podcast was just to go through the whole Baker City, and hopefully, some people out there hear that and say, you know what, that sounded like. A yeah. lot of fun, and maybe if they have it next year, I'll consider doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I will do my absolute best to be out there. I'm one of those people. I've never done that race before, mm-hmm. and I probably should have in years past. Couldn't mm-hmm. necessarily do it this year, but um, I should get out there and do it next year to help support them and just go out there and have fun in the experience. So um, let's talk a little bit about stage racing. That's going to be our, our, our mini topic for the day, um, and I wanted to kind of just put that out there for people just so they can start wrapping their head around this and, and understand what a stage race might be and, you know, what some of the local stage races are and, and this big stage race we're going to be watching in a week. Um, <laughs> let's talk about stage racing. Evan, what's a stage race? So if we're talking from the, the grand tour continental pro sort of, sort of perspective, sure. um, there is a couple different types of stage races. So you you have your three grand tours. We'll start like the top of the pyramid. The, your, your three grand tours in cycling are the Vuelta uh, de España, the Giro d'Italia, and the Tour de France. Correct. So those, those are your three right there. Italy, France, Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, all three have been around for a very long time. I don't know the years off the top of my head. Uh, the tour, I want to say it was the early 1900s. I think it was like... like before 1910 it was before world war one I, I yeah believe. they're well over 100 years into that one. yes yeah. yes um the stages have gotten shorter because i guess as human like just humanity's gotten softer i guess over since that time period but yeah. they, they they do have uh some great history if anybody hears this history buff if you look back at the the history of the tour it's some of the the most interesting stuff you'll you'll see i mean it, it's gone through two world wars um obviously what happened in france during you know world war ii was a big impact on the race and just seeing how the races have developed is incredible but uh those are your three grand tours there's quite a few all over the world um seven day stage races uh an example being would be like the criterium de dauphine is a, a one week one week stage race um and then really when you bring it down to the bo- the bottom of the pyramid would be your your national level um, amateur and pro three to four day stage races, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what, what Baker city was, right. um, general Baker city, I would say is a pretty typical sort of presentation to those stage races. I know mm-hmm. in Ohio, we used to have one that ended our road race season. Um, uh, Ohio had a really cool setup for that for a while. I'm really not sure if that's still around, but back when I was racing as a, as a three in Ohio, uh, we would have a whole road race season and then it would end, um, with with a a three day uh, uh, 
you know, ro- road race and time trial combination. Mm-hmm. Um, I really kind of liked that, that setup, but in this region, just because of the density of races too, you, you can pick quite a few different stage races. Mm-hmm. Um, they are tough to fund. They're tough to convince people to go to, but even being a triathlete and having been to them, they're a blast. And I would tell anybody, if you're even considering it, do it. I mean, they're, they're incredible. Like there's no better way to test your fitness than racing a bicycle over three days. Yeah. And what was really cool this year is the Oregon bike racing association. So Obra, we've said that before, Mm -hmm. um, they put together the state championship and created an omnium around it. Mm -hmm. So there were individual people just doing the one stage and then there were people competing for the Omnium. So that was kind of cool to be mm-hmm. able to have that yeah. about two or three weeks before the yeah. Baker City. And and Omnium just basically means um, it's it's the difference, just like you said, between somebody picking one of those races over the weekend to race, which you're allowed to do in an Omnium, would be you're doing mm-hmm. the entire thing in, in the general classification ranking. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the cool thing about, I mean, really in the Pacific Northwest, how many stage races do you think there are? Jake, do you know that roughly? It's just uh, the Baker City. And Cascade. then in Cascade, those Cascade, are the only two that I can think of well, that are the road state championship this year. Well, that's yeah. an omnium. So omnium, that's not a collective that. time. Is it, is, yeah. Isn't more based on points though, based on how you finish with the omnium, if I'm not mistaken, they don't oh, take that's your, a good question. I don't I think, think they take points based. I think it's based on points on how you yeah. finish. So, and then um, a stage race is time based. It's all based on time. Correct. Right. And okay. then, uh, I think Washington, cause Chris Surratt went up to Wenatchee and did the tour to bloom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is there, I thought there was an earlier one, like out in Walla Walla, like earlier in the season. That is too. I was just speaking on Obra, but yeah, yeah. the WSBA mm-hmm. has a few stage races up there. So I guess you could say we've got four yeah. different stage races here in the Pacific Northwest between Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. And there, there might even be another one that I yeah. could yeah, yeah, there very could well be, be forgetting. So. Yeah. Very cool. They, they are. So, you know, go, going to, to the, the, the next topic here is how hard are they? I mean, being somebody who just finished one, I think yeah. Whitney can definitely Whitney, speak to how that. Hard yeah, how is hard a stage is race? It? You know what, though? I think it's it's kind of intimidating going into it. Yeah. But you're in the same boat with everybody else. Exactly. Everybody is the same race. Yeah. Piling on the fatigue, just like you are. Yeah. And the people that are competing for the top step, they're piling on the fatigue. So everybody's in the same boat. Sure. So I think there's there's probably a lot of anxiety for people going into one of these. Yeah. But it's not as bad as what you'd think. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have some fitness. And I think everybody that's probably listening that rides bikes has done, you know, a couple of days worth of bike rides sure. back to back. Yeah. And so I don't think it's anything beyond somebody's capabilities. Yeah. And so I think the other part that you got to get past mentally is the specialty that you're not that good at. Like you, you might think, oh, I'm really good at road races or I'm really good at time trialing, but I'm not so good at crits. Mm-hmm. So crits are not my thing. I've only done a handful of crits in my life. I don't like them because I'm old and I don't want to fall and break my bike (laughs) Mm -hmm. or myself. I'm young and I don't want to fall and break my bike. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I get nervous with some people that you don't know their abilities Yeah. and you know, knuckleheads in the pack. So I don't like crits and they make me nervous, but you know, I just get past it and I realize everybody's in the same boat and everybody who doesn't want to go down and hurt themselves. So for the most part, you just get past that one you know, uh, discipline that you're not very comfortable with and yeah. you just jump in. It's not that it's, it's not a bad thing to, to do a stage race. I don't, it wasn't that hard. Um, y- if you have the fitness to do any sort of road race, you'd have the fitness to do one of these. How did mm-hmm. you approach gaining said fitness going into this? 
Well, I think that just my normal writing schedule helped. Okay. Um, I did the state omnium. Uh huh. That helped to to stack up races. You know, sure. a couple of races in one day and back to back days. Um, just doing some back to back work, and you know, I've had fitness for endurance fitness for years, yeah. just from doing the whole Ironman stuff and then well, marathons. And you keep and, yourself fit year round, so you've already got that base layer of fitness. Did you mm-hmm. do anything special other than the Omnium? I mean, did you have to start adding extra volume, or were you doing special work like on the TT bike just to work on that position? Or no, I did. You know, TT bike, I've I've spent spent so many miles on that in my life that I really don't want extra ones. Yeah. <laughs> so after 112 miles in the time right. trial position, you're like that's okay, that's pretty. right. <laughs> and I got to the point where I could stay arrow the whole time, and and mm-hmm. my body's used to that. So, you know, an 11 mile time trial was basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, that was just a warm up. But I I had done the state time trial championship. I had done the team time trial championship uh-huh. all in June. Yep. So that was enough practice for me. Good. Um, and then just doing a couple of PIR races to get some of that uh, adrenaline going for the crit and just training for the road races. Um, so I didn't do anything special per se, but I did ramp up the volume. Yeah. I think June was my one of my bigger months, and I got close to about 900 miles in the month of June, which Good. is more than what I normally do. Yeah. So talking again about the fact that there's a time trial in there, mm-hmm. you, most people are going to want to have a time trial bike to stay more yes. aero. Mm-hmm. So were there people that were really penalized because they didn't have that TT bike and they had to jump on a road bike and try and stay as aero as possible? It looked rough for those guys. Yeah. I'm telling you it, you know, I feel bad for the guys that were on a road bike. You they were at a some huge time. disadvantage, yeah. if, especially in our field. Um, you saw, a five minute gap over the wow. course of 11 miles. Yeah. And I know that Kieran was another one of our guys that was out there racing in the cat threes. And I know that he really suffered in the time trial because he didn't, in terms of like lost time mm-hmm. because he didn't have a TT bike. And I know that even in his comment on his Strava post was, man, I really wish I had a TT bike. <laughs> well, he's a yeah. tall guy. And yeah. so when you've got a tall bike and a tall person, yeah, you're really creating a lot of resistance yeah. and you can't get as low as these guys that are on TT bikes. Sure. Um, Jesse, he held his own. I think he came in, you know, just above mid pack in the time trial on a road bike. Did he strap on some, mm-hmm. uh, clip on air bars? He did he, not. I, I should have yeah. given him a set to use. Well, Hatfield even said, Hey, I had some of these in the garage I could have brought for you. Yeah. The team had 15 bikes up for Chris Hannell yeah. a few weeks ago. So yeah. It was unfortunate, but obviously he didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to yeah. make sure that we get the provisions to the people that need but it prior to next time. <laughs> to your original question, it you know, especially if the time trial had been longer, yeah. it is a huge disadvantage. I mean, I I passed a couple of guys that started maybe three or four minutes before me, uh-huh. and they looked like they were just in miserable times. Oh no! Yeah. So. Like you've got the likes of a Chris Surratt though. <laughs> he showed up with his climbing bike. He showed up with his crit bike and he showed up with his TT bike. He's got a specialty tool for each one of those specialty events. You know, it was really cool watching him the whole weekend. Yeah. He is meticulous in his preparation. Yep. And, you know, I learned a lot from just watching him the way he prepared for the races yeah. and what he did with his nutrition, his bikes. Yeah. He had, he brought three weapons to the party and, obviously did well with them. Yeah. He's such a great guy. He's been such a phenomenal addition to our team this past year. Mm-hmm. And I love having him on the team. He's just always happy, always jovial. He's quiet and reserved, but he's still like very encouraging of people. And he is such a competitor. My God, yeah. that guy is just, he, he yeah. blows my mind. I'm like, I don't know how you do this and how you stay that fit all year round. Cause not only is he good at everything on the road, but he is, he's 
no slouch on the mountain bike. He's yeah. no slouch on the cross bike. He goes out and wins these races at a pretty high level of competition. Mm-hmm. Something else, man. It's yeah, and he's he's a great teammate because yes. you know sometimes guys that are that fast, yeah. they kind of look down on other people. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's so different. He's such a a team player. He asked us all before we got there. He says, "Hey, my folks are going to show up. Can I bring some water bottles for you guys?" He brought all the bottles, all the scratch, and wow. he made sure that we had hand-ups available on the two road races. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's too lucky, That's man. a person you need on a team. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, any tips or suggestions for stage racing? I would say the biggest tip is just don't let yourself get hung up on not doing it for either you know the equipment or you know, the discipline that you're not real comfortable with or just the accumulated fatigue because everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. 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 I think it's the same thing with with you coming from Ironman racing as well. I think that it's, it's interesting to me because that's usually there's certain things in each sport that people shy away from. And I find it to be ocean swims and triathlon, hilly bike courses and triathlon Mm -hmm. and stage racing and cycling. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because those are all, to me at least, when I've done them, the most fun experiences by far. I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're the most intimidating, but let's be honest, you go to a road race that's like 52 miles and deadpan flat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what, does anybody come out of that with like, oh, that was the most fun thing right. I did this year? No, but if you do something like Baker City, you come out of that, yeah, you're spent, but that's the thing that you remember from that season. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with triathlon, like nobody remembers their... Well, I guess in triathlon, everybody's obsessed with their PRs, but you know, yeah. I mean, nobody remembers like the easy lake swim, right? Know? But you remember a big race and oh, you yeah. remember how you felt mm-hmm. right afterwards. And yeah. same thing with this. It was not only a great accomplishment to finish the stage sure. race, but just being with the team, that yeah. was an mm-hmm. amazing experience. And then driving home last night, I had the pleasure of, you know, chatting with Ian Gibson the whole five hours. Yeah. And we, it was just nice to be able to have some, somebody to share stuff exactly. with. You're not doing it on your own. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure Chris and John Hatfield, they had the same kind of conversation on the way home too. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Would you say that aside from just not being nervous about it and all that other stuff, but like the biggest thing that you can tell people is to go and connect with a team. Oh, absolutely. Because the team is what made the whole experience and the race. I mean, obviously Jesse won without a teammate out there, but our, in our category, we were going up against a pretty good team. Yeah. And that's what really made the experience for for Chris, Chris, John, myself, and Ian. Yeah, here locally, we're we're pretty blessed. We've got a lot of great mm-hmm. teams out there, and there's a lot of other teams out there here locally that are relatively new that are really coming up fast, and they're doing good stuff. And I love yeah. watching the way that they're um, presenting themselves, the way that they're starting to work together as a team, and um, it's fun to to watch them race. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really keen on helping them as much as we possibly can. And with respect to places where um, we're not there right now, we're not in your your community, um, I'm sure that there's a team or a club that's near you that you can go out and be a part of. And I would Mm -hmm. highly, highly, highly recommend that you start to connect with those people. If you are interested in starting your own team and you're just kind of in the dark, you're in the woods in this thing and you don't know where to start, reach out. I'd be happy to give you some of the uh, the little tips and tricks that we've used along the way that really helped us um, put together something that I think is pretty special i think Mm -hmm. we've got a pretty fantastic team and i'm happy to share with you anything and and if there's something i can do to help you out i'd be more than happy to do that but uh, i think that that teams are going to be really the the key to success for road racing in general to Mm -hmm. stay 
um, you know, a main thing. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. see it go away and, and having people out there to, to continue, to continue to support it. Um, I think that teams are going to be the people that are going to be the ones that are going to be the tentacles mm-hmm. to make that happen. So definitely, that's just my two cents. On well, that. and you've done a great job of building this team, Jake. And then also to see the, the, efforts you've put into the juniors that's just going to build the future as well yeah. that's another thing those are the ones who continue racing for a lifetime or the yeah. kids who start early yeah. there's a lot of work to be done there and we've got a lot of people stepping up to help out and i just i really need more time <laughs> and we're starting to make strides mm-hmm. i'm starting to get a little bit more time i'm getting caught up with my work um day by day but um you know there's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen and, and we'll make it happen i'll make it happen i'll keep working hard because that's mm-hmm. a promise that i made myself into the team i want to see good things happen to us in yeah. the community so um i think that's a wrap on the stage racing let's jump into one last thing evan one last thing okay so uh i'd forgotten one result i really wanted to point out was that we did have a couple of our triathlon friends go and compete at pacific crest this last weekend and um pacific crest is a race out in sun river oregon which is what roughly smacked out in the middle of the state yeah roughly right next to bend right next to bend at about 4500 feet somewhere in that range sure it's up there in the air there's <laughs> less oxygen where they're at there yeah, it's dry it is dry yeah so uh matt matt our you know who's who's missing today raced there and he did the aqua bike which is a swim and a bike and if alan plank is correct i think he set the record actually for the aqua bike Really? Wow, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. His swim has been very strong lately and I mean he's been biking a lot. So that was that was definitely cool to see that. Was he that set the category record. did he since he won, mm-hmm. it, it said Beast Man? Is he So yeah, the, is the, he the a beast? No, the, the 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 Beast Man. So he did the swim and the bike of okay. of the Beast Man. So it was oh, okay. actually a little long bike. I think it was like a fifty eight mile bike instead of a fifty six mile okay. bike like it would be in a normal half iron. Uh-huh. Uh the Beast Man, our our friend uh Nate, uh Nate Ansborough competed in. And uh Nate has really been coming on strong lately. Um, really strong lately. And he put down a third place there, I believe, um, behind uh, a pro one. So really wow. he he was the second amateur. Good. Um but yeah, he had a great race. So him and Matt uh, went out there and killed it in Sun River, Oregon. Yeah, I'll still call Matt a beast. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> he he could have gotten through that run if it wasn't for his darn Achilles. So cool. yeah, right on. Whitney, one last thing. Well, I'll just go back to what we were just talking about. I think just jump in and do something you haven't done. Get out of your comfort zone. I'm still doing it, and I'm an old guy. So <laughs> and the rest yeah. of you can do it. Yeah, I. I- fully support that. I think that's a great thing to tell people to do. Um, my one last thing is that, um, well, just a little side note here of my one last thing. Um, there was a new KOM set on that, uh, Mount, uh, that Anthony lakes climb or the climb to Anthony. Did you notice that? I did not notice. And it was set in the race yesterday Robert? and then the one twos, um, no, it was a gentleman by the name of Josh Nelson. Does that name ring a bell? I don't know who did it for him. So he did this Gosh, what was it? The total distance on it was 10.34 miles. Does this sound like it hurt that he did it in 47 and a half minutes? Yeah, because I took an hour and 11 minutes to do it. <laughs> he averaged 13.1 miles an hour. That's um, insane. And it's showing here that his average um, watts going up that were 302 watts. So I'm curious to see how much the this gentleman weighs. But that's, that's a, an accomplishment well, right there. Well, and a side note on that is um, when I was climbing, yeah. the P12s had finished. Uh-huh. Robert Cummings was ripping down the hill, waving. <laughs> then when we were back up at the top during the, the ceremonies. Don't tell me he did a repeat. He came back up. And, oh, my gosh. And we said, well, why did you do that? And I think his comment was, well, I just didn't want to sit around and get cold sitting up here. And 
They are fast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's my little side yeah. note. My one last thing is I'm going camping again today, guys. Fishing too? Yes, sir. Okay. This might be a fishing podcast. I couldn't <laughs> believe all those fish you reeled in. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And the, the fish that you saw in that picture, that was just from day one. We caught more, <laughs> just as many fish the next day, and that's where we caught the three biggest fish. So That's outrageous. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, that should be fun. Going fishing with my kids. So Have fun. Yeah. It should be a good time. Um, and then we'll have uh, 4th of July back here at home. So that should be fun. So wishing everybody a happy 4th of July. Be safe. Don't blow yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> everybody keep your fingers, please. Yep. Whitney, thanks again for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Evan. Good to have always you here as always. Yes. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Matt, we hope you are driving home safely. And Lance, um, I hope that bear didn't bite too hard. So yeah, <laughs> the go. last thing that we hear from Lance is, is like little squeal or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys, you guys have a good one. We will see you next time. Bye for now. ¿Sí? Un amigo que se llama Joy Joe Joe Junior Sabadú. No puede haber nombre más ridículo. ¡Ah, oh, no! ¡Adiós, Joy Joe Joe!